Jerusalem is the center of the world. All ancient roads once passed through this ancient city of destiny. Today, it remains the world's focus of attention. To this city of peace that had no peace, the king of the universe came calling. It was here, on the mountain overlooking the temple, Jesus uttered his most famous predictions. Not only did he describe the destruction of Jerusalem, but he amazingly described the end of our days. Now here's pastor and teacher John Carter to explain the prophecy about Jerusalem and the last night on earth. Thank you, Wayne, very much indeed. And welcome to you, my friends. Thank you for joining us today at the Carter Report. The topic is the last night on earth. Have we got a program for you today? I'm going to turn in the scriptures to Matthew chapter 24. Now, the reason I quote from the scriptures so much is because it is the very essence of the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And it has the almighty power of almighty God in it. So I'm turning to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 1 and onwards. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came up to him to show him the buildings of the temple. This tremendous Magnificent place. Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. He said the whole place is going to be totally, absolutely destroyed. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Or as it says in other translations, the end of the world. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not troubled, for these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many as the Greek says, the love of the majority will grow cold, but he who endures to the end 
shall be saved. So there is an end. And there are going to be people who will be saved. And then verse 14 says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. The Bible talks about the end of this civilization and it talks, my friend, about the last night on earth. Was Jesus a Jew? And how big and important was the Jewish temple? Yes, of course, Jesus was a Jew. He came to his own people. He came to the Jewish people. And the Bible says they did not receive him because Jesus came with a message hot from the heart of God. And this offended the religious leaders of his own day. Now the question is, what was this great Jewish temple that Jesus was alluding to? The temple, my friend, was the Vatican City of the ancient world. It was absolutely immense. When I was over in Jerusalem not that long ago, I was amazed by the tremendous stones that formed the foundation of the Jewish temple. In fact, some of those stones weigh hundreds of tons. And so the disciples said, you know, look at this tremendous building. Look, it's, it's the wonder of the age. And Jesus said, you see this place? Everything is going to be thrown down. And Jesus said, this is going to be a symbol or a type of the last night on earth or the end of the world. Um, this Jewish temple was so big and so amazing, it was like the Vatican, the White House and Capitol Hill all rolled into one. I was amazed when I went there and I saw what was left from north to south. It's over 1,500 feet. And from east to west, it's about a 1,000 feet. And then on the very top of this tremendous, massive platform, you had the temple proper. This was a splendid building. It had this immense portico that was more than 100 feet high and was covered with gold. And so when the sun was shining on this tremendous temple, it was an amazing spectacle because the stones were white as snow. And then you had all of this magnificent gold. Jesus said, you see it all? He said, you think it's great? He said, yes, it's, it's magnificent. It is the temple of almighty God, Yahweh Elohim but it's going to be completely destroyed. And Jesus said, it is going to be like this at the end of the world. So Jesus spoke about the end of this age and he spoke about the end of the world. For Jesus, the temple was a symbol of the world in its last days. Listen, affluent, rich, 
extravagant, uh, totally religious. Most of the people were super religious, corrupt. Religion doesn't save you from corruption. Corrupt, powerful, controlled by power-hungry politicians. Does it sound familiar? It sounds like our own day and our own age. And so Jesus, 2,000 years ago, was standing there looking at this magnificent spectacle. He said, the whole thing is going to be destroyed. And he said, that's what it's going to be like at the end of the world. Who were the leaders of Jerusalem and its temple? They were the greatest religionists the world had ever seen. They had religion coming out of their mouths and religion coming out of their ears. They were soaked in religion. But sadly, religion does not necessarily make a person a better person because only the religion that comes from God can lead to God. And the world today, my friend, is full of the stuff that is simply man-made religion. Jerusalem was run by a hierarchy of corrupt priests. It was also run by the weak, corrupt Roman governor Pilate. But the amazing thing is this, that the Jewish hierarchy, listen to this, are you listening to me? The Jewish hierarchy saw themselves as the chosen people of God. They believed that they were God's remnant people and they believed that whatever happened, God would come and he would save his people. But Jesus said, there's coming a last night. And because of their overwhelming self-righteousness, these super-religious people who presided over the city of Jerusalem and this vast tabernacle, this great sanctuary, this great temple, these people who were saturated in man-made religion and full of self-righteousness, they ended up, because of their pride and their bigotry and their close-mindedness, they ended up crucifying the Lord of glory. They put the Son of God on the cross. Does God intervene in the affairs of nations? I'm going to have a little aside now with your permission. And I'm just going to leave Jerusalem for a little bit. And I'm going to answer this question. Does God intervene in the affairs of the nations today? Or is God an absentee landlord? I want you to think of the days of another great prophet, another great Jewish man whose name was Daniel. 
And when you go to his book, Daniel chapter 2, verse 20, 21 and 22, you read these words. Now this is important. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. Did you hear this? He removes kings and he raises up kings. God, my friend, is still the mighty sovereign Lord of the universe. He's not an absentee landlord. The Bible says he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. And the Bible says he removes kings and sets up kings. Daniel chapter 4, verse 22, 23, 24, 25. Daniel says, he's talking to the king of Babylon. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the ends of the earth. He's explaining a great vision that the king had had about this massive tree. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. Here's the interpretation. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High which has come upon my Lord the king. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. He's talking to Nebuchadnezzar. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven and seven times shall pass over you, seven years, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Listen. The prophet says to this great mighty king, Nebuchadnezzar, you're not in charge here, Nebuchadnezzar. Almighty God is in charge. And you're going to be driven from men. And you're going to become crazy. You're going to be like an animal out in the field. And seven years are going to pass by until you come to your senses. And then you will be restored. What is he telling the king? He's telling the king and he's telling you and he's telling me that there's a God in heaven and God is in charge. Not Mr. Putin. Not Mr. Biden. Not any other earthly ruler. But ultimately, my friend, the Bible teaches God is the active Lord of the universe. And then when you come over to the book of Acts chapter 24 and 24 and 25, it has a conversation here between the greatest preacher of all time except Christ. 
And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, listen, and the judgment to come. Did you get this? The judgment to come. Felix, the governor, was afraid and answered, go your way for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Now listen, and listen good. The Bible teaches that there is a judgment day that is coming. The Bible teaches that there is a last night on earth. There's a last night for every one of us. There's a last night for you, and there's a last night for me. And the Bible tells me that God is in charge of the universe. Russia's not in charge. America is not in charge. North Korea is not in charge. Iran is not in charge. God is standing somewhere in the shadows, keeping watch above his own. And the Bible teaches, and listen to this plainly, the Bible teaches there is a coming judgment day. How was Jerusalem destroyed almost 2,000 years ago? This is an amazing story. The Jews, 66 AD, revolted against the Romans. The Romans had been oppressing the Jewish people. So the Jews rose up in an armed revolt. And so the Romans sent down their best general from up in the north, up in Syria, General Cestius Gallus. He came down and he made war against Jerusalem. And he was successful. And after he was having tremendous success, for some strange, inexplicable reason, he withdrew. He retreated. And he went down the Bethhoron Road to the coast. Now the Jews came out like wild bees. The Jews are mighty fighters. And in one day, in the Bethhoron passes, they killed 6,000 Roman soldiers. Then they struck a coin, and on the coin were the words, in the first year of liberty. But of course, they were completely ignorant of the words of Jesus Christ because Jesus said that the end is going to come and Jerusalem is going to be overthrown. The Christians or a group of Christians were in the city of Jerusalem on that occasion. And when they saw the armies of Cestius Gallus, they knew that this was the sign that Jesus had given in the Bible. And so the Jews got outside of the city and when the city was overthrown a few years later, not one Christian was destroyed in the siege of Jerusalem. A few years later, the Romans came back under Vespasian. Vespasian herded all the people into the city of Jerusalem. But then Vespasian received a call from Rome because he had been proclaimed the emperor. And then his son, Titus, 
took charge of the great Roman armies. The Roman armies built a wall around the city of Jerusalem. And the, all the words of the prophecy of Matthew 24 came to pass, every word. Inside the city there was tremendous confusion and tremendous atrocities. And there were terrorists, people like John of Giscala, Simon Bargi, or fought each other. They destroyed each other's food supplies. And then they started to practice some of the most horrific crimes, the murders, the killings, even descending into cannibalism. But the Romans were waiting outside. And as Jewish people would go over and surrender and go outside the city of Jerusalem, the Romans would take them and crucify them on crosses. And where Jesus was crucified, the crosses were so thick you could hardly walk between them. Every word of the prophecy came to pass. I'm going to read you a text out of the Old Testament. This is an amazing, amazing text. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 26, it says, And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. In other words, Messiah will be murdered, but not for himself. He didn't die for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war, desolations are determined. Now this prophecy was given 500, 600 years before Titus arrived with his Roman soldiers. The Bible prophecy said that the people of the prince shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now Titus had great respect for the Jewish religion. He wanted to save the city of Jerusalem and he wanted to save this, the great Jewish temple. And so he gave an order, the temple sh shall not be destroyed. But the Roman soldiers were so filled with passion and hatred towards the Jews that they went down to the Jewish temple after they'd broken through the wall. And some Roman soldiers took these flaming torches and they picked up these torches and they just flung them into the great temple itself. And soon the temple was on fire. Titus ran down there and he said, in the name of Caesar, put out the fire. But they completely ignored him because Titus was fighting against Bible prophecy. The Bible said in the book of Daniel, the people of the prince, not the prince, the people of the prince, the Roman soldiers themselves shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Every word of the prophecy came to pass. Soon the whole city was on fire. And in the temple, the gold ran down the steps and the Roman soldiers waded into the mobs with their short swords and cut them down by the thousands. It was the last night for Jerusalem. And remember, the prophecy is a prophecy 
that just doesn't concern Jerusalem. It concerns you and me because the destruction of Jerusalem was a type of the end of the world. What does all of this have to do with us now? Wayne, that's a great question. What has this got to do with us? I'm talking about history here. And so you say, what has this got to do with us? It's got everything to do with us because what has been shall be. Now I turn to Matthew chapter 24 and I read verses 1 down to 3 again. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. This magnificent place. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. These massive stones, these magnificent structures. Then Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. It happened. Titus did it. The people of the prince the Roman soldiers. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Listen carefully to me. Just as Jerusalem was destroyed, According to Bible prophecy, the Bible teaches so this earth is going to be destroyed also. Now, I like fresh air, don't you? I like clean water. Now, there are huge numbers of people today who are obsessed with the idea of saving planet Earth. I want a clean environment. I believe in a clean environment. But let me tell you something. This earth cannot be saved because there is a new world coming. The Bible says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And in the prophecies of the Bible, we are told exactly where we are living in the stream of time. We're going to talk about this in the second part of this program, The Last Night on Earth. Pastor John Carter has taken us around the world to broaden our knowledge of the Bible. From remote places, he has brought us new insights into the scriptures. Now he is bringing these teachings closer to home, your home. He is asking you, followers of the Carter Report, to share any questions you may have about scripture, religion, and the challenges you face in your everyday life. First, record your questions on your cell phone. 
Then send these by email to questiontocarter at gmail.com. Watch for your recorded question and hear the answer from Pastor Carter. Jesus is the answer, and we welcome your questions. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.